2: Welcome to a Monday the afternoon here on OzBiz, and of course we kick off the PM live from our Barangaroo studios, as usual with the call, 10 stocks picked by you, I put them to 10 experts, we do it all in an hour on this 25th of July, joining me today on the panel, Gaurav Sodi from Intelligent Investor, and Luke Winchester has made his way down from, uh, uh, from Merriweather Capital, from The Hunter, Luke, good yes. to see you. Thanks, Koshy. Down into the big smoke. Into the big smoke. I don't
0: think I've ever heard a more enthusiastic introduction
2: than Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We to work all the time. No, it's good to see him in person. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is fabulous down regularly. Now, uh, of course, you're in uh, Nathan's hot seat usually, that gives Gorev. Yes, curry, so. we get along much better than Nathan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just saying you get along too well <laughs> yeah, with him. Yeah, I'll put my so, ag hat instead, on and yeah, what else exactly. is Nathan into? Yeah, put your angry <laughs> face on <laughs> and let's do it. All right, let's take a, a lot to talk about today. So uh, let's look at the first five stocks we're going to cover in the first half hour of the show. Sonic, Seven Group, Close the Loop, Horizon and also Wham Capital. Stock of the day. Thought we'd look at the smaller end of the market, Money Me. Uh, it's out this morning with a whopping 190% increase in its gross revenue for from the previous period, up to $55 million. Loan book now sitting at $1.4 billion. Uh, Money Me, uh, a little fintech. Gorab, what did you think of the update? You're an investor in it?
0: I am an um, investor. Uh, uh, an investor who's sitting on big losses, I might oh, add. I- <laughs> I- I've lost... I've lost about 60% so far. It's a oh. recommendation, tell Investor. We don't own it in the funds because um, we decided it was just too speculative and we generally oh. have conservative investors. Um, so it's not in the funds, but it is a buy-rec. I own it. Um, I'm not at all But concerned. you stuck with it. Yes, I have You wrote it down. it down. Um, yeah, and it, I actually, you know, there are lots of times where I get nervous about writing stocks down. Yep. Um, I must admit this was not one of those times. I actually bought some more. At the uh, uh, during the the chaos of tax loss selling, oh um, yeah, I thought this would be a perfect tax loss um, selling candidate, and I, and I picked up some more. Okay, um, so
2: around that sixty cent mark. No, fifty. Oh, around that fifty 57. cent mark. Actually, right. Yeah, it was yeah.
0: It, that was a great little. Uh, I mean, I'm, quite, I'm I'm not all that enthusiastic about the market at the moment. But that little period of time, you could understand why yeah. there was a lot of selling pressure. It seemed relentless yeah. and almost irrational, and it just it, that seemed like a good but time to be. But why money, kind of, made? Yeah, so every time these guys put an announcement, the results are sensational. This is a really, um, you know, one of the qualities I look for in a business is something called hustle. It's, it's the um, a management's ability to make something happen, yeah. to do something better than their peers. It's a little aggro that the company has that just that pushes them um, to do more. And it's not something you can measure easily. It's not something you can replicate. It's not something that shows up on the balance sheet. Yeah. But over time, it is everything. It's the difference between um, Telstra and, and Macquarie Telecom. Um, yeah. I just listened to the AFR uh, podcast, which, yeah. uh, which, <laughs> which that's why that's why it was in my head. Um, and it's the difference between um, a, a business that does does. Oh, your Aussie Broadband is another one. Um, yeah. LaVisa, all these companies, Minres. It's, it's Minres and Rio, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a business that can grow from do grow from nothing to something. Right. There is a magic in that, and if you can. If you can find those businesses and, and back them, and they don't always work, but there is, that's, that's where um, real magic happens in the share market. And, and look, I, I think it's too early to determine whether this is one of them, but it's certainly got a lot of the ingredients. You know, the, the, this is a founder-led business started from nothing, only a, a couple of years ago, has a $1.4 billion loan book, which is astonishing.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and as the loan book grows, the quality of the loans is actually getting better. The uh, credit scores are improving, the cash flow is improving, the Mm. cost of credit is actually falling. Um, And the products they are released are not just standard um, products into the credit market, Mm. which is something of a commodity business. These are quite specialized niche products. I have um, relatives and
2: mates in the car industry. Autopay. Yeah, Yeah. they're they're all talking (laughs) about that. I was with a bunch of car dealers on, on Friday night in Adelaide at the MG uh, Dealer Awards, and it's a I was, sensation. I was quizzing them. Mm. Until I said, "You know what's... And what they say? say uh, we never saying take up like yeah, in a yeah. finance package. Well, I They've think within little
0: niche, it's now their largest business segment, yeah, and it's only uh, eighteen months old. Okay. Um, I think it's look, look. Um, there's still a long way to go. The counting is, is is excruciating here. Every time they make a loan, they recognise the expected impairment on day one even though the expected payoff doesn't come over a number of years. So as it grows, it looks like it's losing more and more money, which I think confuses a lot of investors, even even professional investors. Yeah. Um, but I think you'll find that the cash flow here okay. is going to start coming in. It's already profitable. Uh, cash flows are potentially uh, quite strong in this business, and it's, it's wonderfully managed. Uh, the founder owns a huge mm. chunk. Yeah, yeah, it's about 50%. How much, about 50%. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, so um, yeah, it's, it's a, a, a it's buy for <coughs> Speculative buy, because these things can blow up. But... Yeah, yeah.
1: The, the the founder owning such a large chunk is, is probably the, the the sleep at night factor you have with this business. Because yep. I agree with all of Gaurav's points around, um, they can very much be black box biz- businesses, mm. the accounting can be very opaque. Um, and, and the other one as well is, for most of these fintechs, and, and I think Money Me is probably better than these peers, but you've had um, Wiser, Prosper, um, a few others list and some unlisted ones as well in recent times. Um, not many have been tested by a true economic cycle yet, so I think yeah. the market has really yeah. taken a step back and say, yeah. "Let's let's really see." Well, particularly when vault. yeah, we're just going to give our money back and finish on twenty. That's right. Year. That's right. Um, I mean, a, a way you can think about it, these guys. I agree with that hustle point. They really do outcompete most of the big banks. Um, but but given the distribution the big banks have, there's usually a reason why they don't compete in certain areas, mm-hmm. and they're happy to give it to these minnows. Um, so always keep in mind that you know you're probably playing in a space where the majors probably don't need to okay. um but that can be for reasons because they're so they're so lucrative where they play in mortgages um look the main thing i note for this business is there's very little equity backing that loan book and mm. i think that's the main risk to it is it mm. it, it requires flawless execu- execution execution because yes. it's so heavily leveraged um you know to the point where as gora points out 1.4 billion dollar loan book and I have just brought it up only 22 million dollars equity so <laughs>
0: which is extraordinary for the returns
1: <laughs> that's right that's yeah. right so as equity investors you, yeah. your returns are insanely juiced up yeah um, but it doesn't it means that it requires that flawless execution because if you get that little slight stumble it doesn't take much bought
2: Society one too didn't they,
1: they bought Society one um, which I question a little bit because I think it took mm. them out of their their core but I mean I go back, back to that sleep at night factor. You've got a founder who owns 50% of the business. He has a lot of the characteristics I've talks about with hustle. Um, you know, even if I don't immediately see the, you know, the, the, the big rationale behind it, um, you know, I, I sort of implicitly trust someone like him or give him the time or the, the you know, see how he goes before I make a definitive call. Um, Look, I, I would I, I agree with Gorev, it's for the right investor, for the right investor. And if you're a if you're a conservative investor, I wouldn't I wouldn't touch it. That's I think yeah. it's it's a business that, that has a very wide range of outcomes here. Yep. Um but if you think about the balance of those outcomes towards that, you know, the outcomes are much more weighted towards the larger end than the lower end, but there is a there is a zero potential here if things went completely off the rails. Absolutely. And that's and it's important to note
0: that we don't own this in our funds. And so yeah. That says something about the the point that Luke's making here. Yep. That it's it's for a particular type of investor. Yep.
1: yep. Okay. But the result today, I mean, that that cash profit continues to increase. That's yep. so important to see in this in this environment. Yeah. Um, okay. So,
0: All right. I, I, so with these businesses, it was, Kaushy, it's it's the ability to say no. Um, that really matters. Because you can actually grow really quickly in these companies yes. by just writing more and more loans. Yeah. And the, the result, the, the penalty of, of doing that doesn't show up until years yeah. and years later. A long yeah. time later. <laughs> yeah. So there's an incentive there just to juice up your today's returns and face the, the consequences later on. Yeah. Um, the sixty, the 50% ownership is a huge ballast against that. It's a defense against that happening. And um, and the fact that the quality- And the impairment. Uh, the, the, the fact that the impairments- process, yeah. um they're actually falling uh the fact that the the quality of the the loan book is improving yep. is, is is also a okay. defense
2: yeah all right uh luke lee wants a view on sonic the uh, the big global pathology provider big in australia throughout europe belgium as well um what do you think of that? They're all time the diagnostic.
1: Yeah, yeah. Stuff. I mean, obviously, large cap business, not one mm. that comes on mm. my radar every day. Um, having a look, COVID's made it very difficult to analyse this business, and, and not in a not in a bad way, like many COVID impacted businesses. Like, I've got some back of the envelope numbers. Mm. I, I didn't look at broker numbers to try and compare, but for me, it's probably about thirty times the core business on a reported, maybe about ten, it, yeah. like that valuation. The the, the the earnings they're getting out of COVID. Um, you know, between one to 1.3 billion revenue, but um, as as best as I can see, exceptionally high margins on the COVID testing, um, maybe somewhere as high as like 70% EBITDA margins. We back solved for, um,
0: what's that little one that's listed? Clinical labs. Clinical labs. We backed right. off for of clinical labs and came to 80% margins. Um, I
1: was, I was going to say, I've
2: got, seven, I've got 70 to 80. I didn't yeah. want to say 80 because it seemed absurd. <laughs> it seemed silly. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. So that's what the government's been paying them. Insane. Yeah. yeah. Well, Your no, tax dollars. No, no, no. Are, <laughs> we've, been, we've been paying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. See,
2: I, yeah. <laughs> I always has uh, had this in the back of my mind as they kept doing all this. You these can see why there. so
0: many
1: businesses look at the government and salivate, right? oh um, they're just so bad at this stuff yep yeah yep. so yeah potentially 80 percent EBITDA margins but on, on not insignificant revenue i mean no. you know um the the core business only did like five or six before COVID came along so does the peak passed I think so, um, in particular, the dropping of the restrictions around travel, I think yeah. was a big one in last half coming up into December when you still required a PCR for travel. Yeah. I think that was a big driver. That's now eased. I suspect it remains around in some form or fashion, but but at a, yeah. at a lower level. Um, my main comment though, like full credit to management because a lot of businesses will be gifted this golden goose and just completely waste it. Um, they haven't done that, Pay down a ton of debt, mm. um, got a buyback, Increase their dividend. Mm. Um, and to the point where, Again, I'm doing some back-of-the-envelope numbers here, but if I bring back their core earnings, you know, assume COVID goes to zero at some point, their core earnings, where their current debt levels are, they can probably tack an extra $1 to $1.5 debt onto the business, where they've historically been around that two-and-a-half times EBITDA. So you'd be talking about 20% earnings accretion just from levering the business back up to where it was because they've paid down so much debt through through this COVID. So, um, look, I think you're paying a, a pretty steep price, Around that 30 times earnings. But COVID, I, I suspect, continues for those COVID earnings will continue for some time. Um, and a bit like Money Me, for the right investor who can maybe stomach a bit of noise around those COVID numbers, and you're probably going to have some negative comparisons as well as it cycles mm. off, um, I actually back this management team as well. They've been right. able to demonstrate growth by mergers and acquisitions, which very few can, particularly overseas. So, their management team might give them the benefit of doubt to take, you know, a billion and a half dollars and actually put that to good, accretive use. Mm. Um, so, I would say a buy, but okay. but again, pre- be prepared to stomach some noise. Particularly, near-term earnings will probably look a little bit lumpy um, yep. with with that COVID running off.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a boring show cost sheep, because we're going to, I think, I suspect we're going to agree more than I'd like to, yeah, but um, yeah, me too. But this point about <laughs> Sonic,
2: <laughs> I don't want you to agree. <laughs> no, that's, that's no fun. Oh, no, Let's go. bring Nathan back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, let's not do that. <laughs> um, this point about looking at the numbers and ignoring them is really important yep. because the, uh, they're, they're quite ridiculous. You might look at this and think it's trading on 10 times, but you look at what's happened. Revenue has gone from 6 billion to 9 billion pre-COVID to, to today. And the NPAT is tripled; it's gone from 500 to 1.5, 500 million to 1.5 billion, um, and that that so you've had margin expansion on top of revenue expansion. Um, I get a slightly lower NPAT, So I've I've assumed that it the excess doesn't just fall to zero, but there's a slightly higher higher base mm-hmm. following all this. So I get the sort of low twenties uh, multiple once you normalize, and um, that makes it I think an interesting proposition. I don't, I wouldn't buy it myself. I think there are better ideas out there. But for a more conservative investor who wants to buy the highest quality businesses, I think this is in that top tier. Mm, Um, This is an outstanding quality business. What makes it so good is that um, this testing business, they have centralized labs, um, which are essentially fixed cost operations. And the more tests you can funnel through those labs, the better your margins get, the harder it is for anyone else to compete with you. And these guys, we compared them to ACL and did some numbers. They do four times the profitability um, per test um, that, that ACL yes. can get. Oh. Um, it's it's a really strong business and their capital, capital allocation has been really good. Mm. Once you have these labs set up, you can actually then buy, it makes sense to buy distribution points and to get more uh, test funneled through those labs yeah it's a really powerful moat and it's hard to compete with um, the number one in the market and they're chasing that spot elsewhere in the world um, it's a very good business it's not super cheap i think it's okay only and for me it's the quality of the business that gets okay. it over the line so, so you'd have
2: more of it as a a hold than a buy
0: i look i'll go with buy because right. I, I think okay. it's it's there but i would buy an initial stake first if you don't own it and then build up slowly this okay. is not at this price you wouldn't go all in
2: all right, Gaurav, Alex wants to be on Seven Group Holdings. Yeah. Alex says, whenever conglomerates or listed private equity gets mentioned, everyone talks about Solpats or Wesfarmers or maybe Macquarie and Infratil, Seven Group Holdings never gets much of a mention. Is there a reason why? Does it deserve to be in the same esteemed company as the aforementioned companies? Uh, seven West seems to have an interesting, diverse group of holdings, uh, Caterpillar... Uh, which he says is interesting in his humble opinion, dividends per share have been growing steadily?
0: I really like this question actually. I like the way um, it's been thought out. Yeah. An interesting one way of looking for ideas is looking for similar situations um, that do the same thing in activity wise and they're priced differently in terms of valuation and that can often the market's quite correct to price things with that variance but sometimes you get these quirks, and I must admit, I have been guilty of dismissing Seven West. I always thought... Uh,
2: no. Seven Group. Sorry, Seven yeah, Group. Yeah, seven thank group. you. thank you, Koshi. And, um, I, and that's yeah. the big confusion. It is isn't confusing, it? isn't it? Yeah, and, and because seven the codes West are so owns cinema. the TV network, Seven Group has a large shareholding in yep. Seven West mm-hmm. but has all the other bits to
0: it. Correct. Um, and I've been dismissive of this because I've, I've seen it as the plaything of an individual, of, of one family. Um, but actually, when you dig through the numbers here and, and, uh, and go through the business, it, it is quite attractive. I was, I was quite surprised, specifically the largest chunk of this is Westrack. Yeah. Um, they don't really give you an, an asset value of Westrack, but it looks like they, they make about half their cash flow from the Westrack business. Now Westrack is a distributor, di- distributor for Caterpillar products, yeah. which Australia is one of the largest markets in the world for um, because of all the activity in WA. Um, And you'd think, I thought that this was just a cyclical business where you sort of sold machinery in good times and didn't sell it in bad times. Mm. In fact, what happens is they sell large fleets and as that fleet grows, um, the revenue base that you generate from maintaining Mm. that fleet and servicing it also grows. So it looks like about 40%... like a car
2: dealer. Like a car dealer. You get it from the service. You get it from the the service, that's right.
0: So it looks like about 40% of that Track revenue is actually... um, um, Servicing? Wow. Yeah, servicing See, and maintenance. One, it? um, and it's actually growing. Um, it's, a, it's a fantastic business. I'm mm-hmm. not sure how they stumbled onto this, but it is a really good business. Coats Hire is mediocre, but well-managed and generates good cash. Boral, they own 70% of Boral. I think this is really interesting. Look, they, um, you know, is a lousy business, a lousy yep. business. Um, but the uh, plan that they've outlined, um, so within Boral there's a cement, um, and quarry business and cement quarry businesses all over the world are super profitable. They're little regional monopolies. It mm. costs a fortune to move this stuff around. So once location? you establish, once mm. you establish a um, uh, your logistics, you're kind of set, and you can dominate that little regional market. And these guys want to go back, sell it, sell everything off, and go back to to being a smaller, more profitable business. And if they can do that, that's going to be really interesting. Um, and with a 70% holding, I think their chances are pretty good. The energy business, I don't like Beach Energy. I'll say it up front; it's my least favorite um, energy stock because I don't think they have a strategy. They've just got a whole heap of assets and hoping one yeah. of them does well. Um, but it's it's not a disaster, um, and they've got a a, a shareholding in a, in a in a gas field that I lost all my money on called Crux. <laughs> <laughs> there was a little gas business that went bust that I was a shareholder in years ago, and uh, and they actually bought that out of bankruptcy, right. and that's gonna be really profitable in this environment. They're gonna funnel that into an LNG project. Look, I I think this is a a cracking idea. There's so many optionalities, so many ways to make money if they do sensible things. And the history of this business is that it does do sensible things. They don't hold the best quality assets, but they do leverage um, their ownership to make sure they get good outcomes for themselves and hopefully as a minority shareholder you can share in those outcomes. I think it looks okay. I think this is a, a um, I'm going to spec buy just because yeah. really you shouldn't be buying at this point. you reporting season's a couple of weeks away. Yeah. Why not just to see how it yeah. goes? It's not, it's not. So um, have a
2: look at after reporting. I, I, so. I think so, I
0: think so. But this is firmly on my watch list. Um, thank you for the thoughtful question. And it's it's more interesting than I would have thought. Mm.
2: Uh, because yeah. they, they actually f- used their leverage in Boral yes. for them. To sell the US operation, Finally, which right. is terrible. That uh, yeah. you've been calling on for years to get rid of the US. Indeed. And they forced them to do it. Yep. Lou? Um, I think
1: to answer Alex's main question about why it doesn't get compared to some of those other conglomerates is when you look at the businesses they own, I think you can lump them all into the uh, you know the same cyclical mining slash construction slash you know, that general field, other than the media assets, which obviously yep. sit on the side. Um, so I think most people look, it's, you know, a conglomerate usually gives you a diverse range of industries and exposures, whereas these guys, they stick, but they stick to what they do best, which is, you know, coming into these cyclical businesses, mm. usually at cyclical lows, mm. um, uh, clean up the, the historical issues that are usually there and, um, you know, put their expertise and, 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 and um, their balance sheet as well. They you know, effectively sheet. use their balance sheet, um, unlike a, a lot of other larger businesses, yep. Um, Mm. they're just they're exceptional capital allocators so they probably do deserve to be there alongside West Farmers and guys like that Um, you know the way they bring assets in spin assets out Um, and as you said Boral just a a classic example of what they want Mm. to do is find something when it's beaten down the market hates it but Mm. there's clear actions that can be taken to to realise value and, and when you are the Big girl in the room, either with your 70% holding or the the name that you bring to it, mm. um, they've been able to do that. And and uh, I saw in the last report, um, you know, there was a, a capital return from Boral. You Amazing, know, that made right. a huge chunk yeah. of their their earnings for the period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so look, for me, I think this is one where. A bit like Sonic just before, you know, you can sort of get a bit picky and choosy around timing and the cyclicality of earnings and things like that, yeah. but to take a step back and if you're someone who just wants to back a, a high quality management team through a cycle, I, I think there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with buying at these levels. Um, with Gorab's point coming into reporting season, you probably don't go gung ho at it, maybe yeah. just a, a small position and, and wait and see what the report brings, but I'd be extremely surprised if there's any gremlins, you know, in, in this sort of mm. report. Um, but yeah, I think I think whether yeah, they probably do deserve to be on the same, you know, footing yep. as some of those other. So have it as buy or yeah. hold. Yeah, buy. One That's suggestion enough. I have, in case you
0: know any of the management there, Koshi, is, yep. um, is that that Beach Energy, <laughs> Beach Energy should buy Santos's Cooper Cooper Basin assets. Right. Santos has bought Oil Search. It's a huge business now. Those Cooper Basin assets are tiny part of that business. They probably don't want them. Um, but for um, for um, Beach, if they approached <coughs> them and integrated those into their own Cooper Basin yeah. assets, then you'd have a proper business. Like yeah. then I'd be interested. Okay. Um, so if anyone's watching, that's a <coughs> waiting to be done. All right, mention that to Ryan. Yeah.
2: And this street. is basically <laughs> basically <laughs> his company as well, uh, yeah. Ryan Stokes. So um, it's done well. I must admit, I have in my little super fun because <laughs> I just think, Free-to-air television has been under a, uh, a lot of pressure, so you have your, uh, being a good corporate man, a little bit in uh, in seven, yeah. but part of a much bigger portfolio. Yeah, yeah and I like it. done really well over the years. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Yaz wants a view, Luke, on Close the Gap, uh, a newly listed microcap. Uh, Yaz says liquidity an issue, but as a retail investor with a few thousand to invest, I'm happy with this risk, uh, hoping for medium to long term. Average entry price around 30 cents, uh, as part of the ever popular circular economy, end-to-end uh, solutions across packaging and consumables. It's interesting. It's um, it o- is only recently listed, yes. um, isn't it? But uh, started out as. Um, uh, toner and cartridge recycling business. Yeah, yeah, you actually then, see their bins, you know, yeah, office yeah. works and places like that. And then bolt themselves up with an acquisition. What do you think? And of then listed, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> go right around, we're, we're,
1: we're gonna be agreeing here. Cautionary. I've got this on my broader yeah. watch list of stocks, of, of you know, something worth keeping an eye on, but there, there are two parts to it, which straight away, I need to see a longer sort of operating history on the markets before I'd really get any sort of conviction. So the first one's the recent listing now that's fine i've i've you know got no opposition to ipos or anything recently listed yeah. but the way it came to market um is one where i've seen other businesses sort of blow up in the past which is you bring two or three different businesses together package them up put them on the market and yeah. sort of hope everything works You get out. the bulk you get yeah, yeah you get the scale and, and things like that so that's not my favorite way of coming to market number one two is post listing you know made two acquisitions and a comment in the last report that they've got three that they're close looking at so again three businesses brought together for the IPO you know another five potentially shoot you know, less than eight months after listing there's a, a lot going on um, and I just for that sort of strategy I just need to see, the history that you can execute an acquisition strategy. I mean, go back to Sonic before. Mm. It's a management team where I'm happy to grant them mm. that yep. sort of pipeline, because they've proven they can do it. Mm. Um, and it's not like these are these guys are buying little Aussie niche things to plug into their network. It's a global business, which I found mm. actually very surprising when I, when I looked at it. Mm. Um, Look, it's in, a, it's in a, a nice space. I think we can all agree, like, that sort of sustainability, conservation, yeah. it's got support by governments, enterprises. I can see the appeal of, of what they're trying to do. So I've got it on my watch list purely for that reason. Just I, I can see that this is a business where it's going to be playing in the right space. I just need a much longer okay. operating history before I can right. get real conviction. Don't but to go back it. to Yaz's point, mm-hmm. you know, if you acknowledge all those risks and you're willing to... take that high risk position i've got no problem with that it it is it is profitable it does generate cash so that's two big risks you know taken out right there Uh, but just just be aware that you know there are some there are some operational things that that you know a bit riskier
2: i'm
0: going to be less charitable i think this has warning bells written all over it um yeah the, the fact that it made a huge acquisition just before it came to market um it's a big warning bell in itself for the fact that it's continuing that strategy right after listing uh, is further source of worry. Um, the way a business lists is really important. It tells you so much. I mean, you could, listings are an insiders outsiders problem. You know, the insiders have all the information, and they're trying to get a, t- a job done. And and from the outside, you have to make a lot of judgments about what's happening within inside this business. And um, and often you'll see. Um, the, it gets businesses get prepared for listings so the one or even two years before a, a listing takes place um there's the preparation happens um you know the capex mysteriously declines cash starts to build all sorts of um uh, sales contracts are announced um it gets dressed up you're talking yeah. about dick smith <laughs> the <laughs> ultimate dress up yeah, yeah. um And this looks like it's been dressed up for a sale. Um, Often it's amazing how long, how often I I see this, a business suddenly announcing a merger and then coming to market. And that's done to improve the story at the time of the IPO. Um, I'm I'm not all, I mean, I can't even tell what this business really does. I mean, look, go through the presentation. Someone go through the presentation and tell me what it does. From the presentation, I'd have no idea. Mm -hmm. It it looks to me like it's a a waste management business and yet it's... That the narrative they're weaving is of some sort of technology green. No, right. I think
1: one one final point, Koshi, is one note yeah. I had. When I looked at it, I didn't see that one killer piece of IP as well. Like sometimes oh. you see business, they might have a lot of moving parts, but there's one piece of intellectual property that really drives high margins and, and, and a niche, I didn't see that. And so okay. it, to me, it feels like a low margin scale game. One wow. other killer point. Um,
0: <laughs> they, just, they just changed their auditor from BDO, which is a big established name at this okay. centre of the market, to a business I've never heard of called Nexia. Now, nothing wrong with Nexia. I'm sure they're doing the best they can. But when, and there was a note saying that BDO had resigned from the, from the role. So when your auditor resigns and you go pick up a no-name
2: auditor. Mm, okay. Look, anything. Right, bad, yeah, no. there's lots, okay. of, lots of reasons uh, for that, yeah, but yeah. I wouldn't buy it. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, we need to move it along a bit halfway through. Um, Yikes. And okay. um, uh, Andy wants a view on Arizon, the big uh, coal rail freight <laughs> business. And also he says, can you ask the coal stock guru, Gorab, uh, what do you think's of Verizon, in particular, the one rail acquisition? And if your passion for coal mm. uh, sort of goes into coal freight, <laughs> is that is that the ripple effect or not?
0: I have no passion for coal. I'm completely, I don't care what I buy or what yep. I sell. I, I want to make money, Kausha. Yep. I want returns. And wherever that takes me, that's where I'll go. Yep. Um, and I don't think you'll get it here. Um, right. The interesting thing about coal is that the, uh, what I like about it is that the, the supply side is constrained and no one's getting volume out of the ground, and that will benefit the, the people who have um, production at the moment. Those dynamics don't necessarily favour Horizon, who work on volume. Um, yeah. So if, if the supply side is constrained, you don't necessarily get all the, the volume benefits. Yeah. That, that, that's the, way, the reason why Whitehaven and New are flying is because supply is constrained. That's actually to Horizon's detriment. Okay. Um, the other thing is, this acquisition is—I think it's a terrible idea. It, to me, it's been done to, dis- to to get rid of the coal in their business. Um, uh, once they once they've completed this, they have to demerge the, the coal haulage business, um, and uh, I, I don't know how that's going to go. Um, to me, this is this acquisition has been done to change the narrative about Horizon, um, about Horizon, and. I would actually sell this. Um, You're actually buying, and they bought the asset off Macquarie as well, which is, if there's one person (laughs) you don't buy assets from, it's those guys.
2: Right. Okay. Um, Yeah.
0: No, I'd I'd avoid this.
1: Lou? Yeah, not much to add. I mean, it's an infrastructure asset. I think um, we'll we'll talk about Goodman later on, but rising rates are a double headwind for these guys, not just on their valuation, but also the debt they carry. Um, I actually, the other problem they have is, you know, you've had a lot of private bids for infrastructure assets, like Sydney Airport, Unity, ALX had a bid. With the ESG filters, these guys probably don't even have the benefit yeah. of, of no, private right. money looking at them either. So,
2: Which is why they're wanting to get out. Why don't we coal. get out? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they spent, yeah.
1: they spent years talking about the benefits of not being tied to pricing mechanisms for coal when the price was, that's you know, right. $40. Right. And now, all of a sudden, it's, it's the, the yeah, problem yeah. they have. So no. okay. only, maybe a dividend, but even then, there's probably better yields out right.
2: there. Uh, Luke, Ashish yeah. sh- wants a view on uh, Wham Capital and comparing it to... Uh, lsf the uh the long short fund um saying uh, but if we compare that with wham uh, which one do you prefer um the long short fund or WAM capital i know grow capital growth is less in WAM, but the yield is about nine percent uh long short fund is having capital growth but yield uh, is less compared to WAM. um
1: yeah just two things i'll note here one is always be aware wham smooths out their dividends so they'll reserve profit in good years to have um, dividends to pay out in weaker years so that's why they've always been very adept at at pitching themselves to dividend investors so smart i think so as well whereas lsf i think you're just riding that sort of capital return you have a good year you'll get a a very strong return um for me look it's uh, lics are not my thing Mm. um the one thing i notice is Wham trades at a pretty high premium to NTA. I just I can't fathom why you would ever pay a premium for an LIC. Um, so LSF, it's only a slight discount, but it'd probably be my preference
2: purely because of that. Koshi. Okay. And uh, good marketing. In, uh, <laughs> very good marketing. WAM. They're, the they're best. very good with their shareholders yeah. and investors, aren't yeah, they? The best. Make the them best. feel like part of the team.
0: The whole. Um, you saw Jeff Wilson get up yeah. and and do this big song and dance about franking imputation. Yeah. Um, I once said something bad about it on, on a show and he called me um, when I got back to the office <laughs> and he said, you got this all wrong. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I just was This is the
2: franking credits. Yeah, the franking credits thing. Yeah, see, so, yeah, yeah. I totally disagree with franking credits, yeah, but anyhow. <laughs> I, I do as well,
0: yeah. I don't see how any sensible person can no. see it the other way. But anyway, um, look, I wouldn't buy any of these. Um, Wham is a, a fine operation, really smart people working there. They're dedicated, they do their job really well. But it's a premium. And as Luke says, you'd be mad to buy this thing at a premium. Right. If it went to a, a discount, and you have to discount by a long way to account for the high fees as well, then yes, then I think it's, this is quite interesting. Um, LSF, I actually really like the, the way these guys invest. I think they're super smart, they've got yeah, great ideas, um, wonderful returns. Um, they charge a huge fees. Um, just, you know, put on performance. On performance, but even so, Koshy, these guys pay themselves. We're not just talking; they just earn a couple of million bucks. These guys yeah. earn hundreds of millions of dollars okay. a year. They're both super wealthy, and maybe I'm just jealous. Um, but no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't do either. I, I don't want to fund their lifestyle <laughs> as, as yeah, yeah. a buyer of their products. You know? I, I actually yeah. do have
2: that with super funds. Yeah, I, I'm I, with can't, you as well. I can't see any reason why super funds <laughs> yeah. should not be re- reporting the same as listed investments. And mm. having all of their salaries and packages, remuneration reports, yeah. senior executives. Yep, and their fees
0: are surprisingly yeah. high. Absolutely. Yeah, for such massive funds. Yeah. Yep,
2: yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, with so much money, and they're in a business. If I had a business where the government said all your customers have got to put ten percent of their salary into your business. Yeah, yeah. No questions asked. I know. I know, right? Yeah, that's a privilege. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then uh, they charge you, what, 0.8%, yeah, for it. Oh, yeah. no. Anyway. Go
0: buy Solpats or, or Brickworks is my advice. Okay. Mm.
2: All right. Uh, let's check the first five stocks. Uh, Money Me, a speculative buy from both Gorev and Luke. Sonic, a buy from both. Seven Group, uh, a speculative buy from both. Uh, Close the Gap, a no from uh, Gaurav. Um, Luke's got it on his watch list. A rise and a sell from Gorev a no from Luke. And uh, Wham, the LSF, um, uh, LSF for Luke, uh, neither for Gaurav. Uh, Pats and Brickworks uh, would be his picks there. Here at the call, we've been tracking our own fantasy high conviction fund as uh, put together by our investment committee. The latest meeting is, you can watch it on osbiz.com. Uh, Tyro, Qantas, Frontier, Digital Ventures, Corp and Steadfast were a move last time, Babcorp put in cash up to 10% uh the fund is now down 2.6% on a cumulative basis since the 1st of march and there's a new investment committee meeting
1: CMC Pro accounts at our website.
2: In this half hour, we're going to take a look at Labisa Telex. Boy, has that I had some moves recently. Goodman Group, and Call Lithium, and Megaport. Uh, Labisa Gorab, the retailer, the sort of low end jewellery, custom uh, costume jewellery business that my granddaughters buy, and my <laughs> wife as well. Brett Blundie's retail business?
0: Yeah, I'm starting to get a bit suspicious because every time I'm on with Luke, LaVisa seems to pop up. Yeah, All right. yeah
2: I think we've covered it three I'm times. <laughs> Luke, do you have something to tell yeah. me? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's about, this is probably the third I time. I think it's the third time. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and uh, everyone knows I love this business. I own it. Um, I can't remember if we owned it in the funds. I think we still own some in the funds, but um, it's a top, ugh, I think it's a top four holding for me um, personally. And, and I think this is the best retailer in Australia. The... Oh. It's the best economics of any retailer I've ever seen. Um, I always tell this story, but but when I first looked at it, I thought it was a fraud. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it's clearly not to be to be to be sure. It's it's not. Um, But it's uh, it it just shows how much. But it's been
2: battered like all the other retailers too, has
0: it? Uh, it's doing all right. Oh, is it?
2: uh, It's uh, sixteen bucks or so. Oh yeah, Yeah, yeah. I've had to pick up in the last month.
0: Yeah, I mean. um, uh, I think I, my, my buy price. I'm actually the analyst on the visa, so I should know this better. But I think my buy price is uh, is 13 or 14 bucks, right. um, and okay. that's when I'd, I'd probably go back in and, and start nibbling again. Um, it, this is the kind of business that's about to report, and you really right. want to be want to wait for that report. I <laughs> right. think, because uh, the range of outcomes is, is wide. It's still not cheap. It's on a high multiple, but it, it thoroughly deserves that high multiple. The okay. bull case here as I'm sure we've explained before, is, is they, these guys are in rollout phase in the US. They've only got 100 stores in the US. I think they can 10 times that number and okay. then double it again over time. Um, and, and this could be um, multiples of their share price okay. if they get that right. And that's, that's why you have gotta watch this thing continuously. Every report is important. Right. Um, and the personnel behind this business, they're important as well. So it's, yeah. it's a position you have to watch carefully. But as long as they're executing um, this remains a, a really so interesting a hold idea. for
2: you and hold, wait yep. for
0: results.
1: Luke? Um, I, I agree with that point of, of watching it carefully particularly that US expansion because um, we've both been positive on it. Um, mm. I, would, I would probably say hold although if you didn't own it I could definitely see someone having a small starter. Mm. Um, the thing to watch though and it is the you know the back of my mind I've always kept it there which is the US is doing really well, and the traction is good and the momentum is strong, um, and very much it is the it is the the, the future growth of the business. Um, but if you rewind maybe five or six years, the excitement back then was the UK, mm. and the UK was going to be mm. you know the the next big leg after the Australian business had sort of stalled out at about one hundred and fifty stores and the uk sort of stalled out as well At yeah. about 40 stores yeah. and, and i think if you I, I don't have broken notes but i think if you'd rewind you know three four five years many people probably would have factored the uk at a few hundred stores like maybe five four yeah. five hundred so they've they've done the right thing i mean they haven't chased growth for the sake of it they've yeah. pivoted very well they closed stores when they're not working yeah. um but it is always worth keeping in mind that you know there has been regions where you think that that momentum is looking strong, and then it, it stalls out for whatever reason. Now the U.S. it hasn't so far, and I think mm. that's why the the excitement's still there in the charts. Mm. Is um, it a good
2: thing they're smart enough to know it's stalled? That's right. Let's and move
1: on. That's right. And some management teams. You know, because this is a business where your absolute numbers can always be juiced up just by store rollouts. Yeah. Yeah. But at a, at a unit level, you know that, that metrics can really deteriorate without the market really knowing, unless mm. you provide some um, granular details. Mm. They're not like that, and, and I think you've seen yeah. that in the past okay. because you know they they slowed down the French rollout when yeah. they sort of hit some roadblocks there. The UK slowed down, um, but the US hasn't, and I think that's a sign they've they've hit that product market fit. They're really resonating with the consumers over there, and it's it's you know. Full full blazing ahead. So, you are right. You've got to change your mind quick if the data turns right. And because yep. they will. That's yes. that's the thing. Management yep. will. So as investors, you have to as well. Mm. If if your if your um, sort of base case is that the US ends up at, at 500 stores in in the next three or four years, mm. um, you know management could very quickly turn off that trajectory if they're if they're seeing the metrics um, turn okay. down. Mm. But until then, like I agree with Greg, Watch it closely. But but until you see that change, it's mm. it's definitely you. a hold. But. It, it, I could actually i could actually see a small buy okay um, after the results after the results
2: all right guy luke wants to be on telex uh guy says i'm a holder Feel the company just starting to gain great traction with its product uh luchik is it uh share prices rocketed uh over recent times i'm in the medical field this is guy uh, and what they're doing with the current prostate imaging and uh, and the research on renal cancer Imaging is very exciting. The idea that they can also microdose radiation treatment Mm. with this is huge as well. Prostate cancer, second commonest cancer death uh, in males, Uh, their new therapies are a good step forward. Uh, Despite it running hard over recent times, is this a buy hold or should I take some profits? um well i mean i think when it comes to
1: investing knowing your sort of mm. edge on the market or your circle of competence and i i know when i look at something like a telex i went and opened the report i had very very little idea of what, <laughs> of what was going on and what mm. i saw was a business that had burned 70 million cash in the last six months mm. had some in the bank but you know that trajectory wasn't strong what other people can see like guy who's in that field um, he can see the um, the edge that the product has over peers the addressable market it may be playing in um, so you know for me I, I know I'm, I'm not trying to pass the you know the, 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 the footy away guy here to try and dodge your question it's just so hard for me to really make a definitive comment on a stock like this mm. but if that's the edge you've got if you're in the field and you're there you know maybe around the day to day you know use it take that edge to yeah, use it to your advantage. Um, mm. Don't rely on people like Gaurav and I who, who don't really know the product that well because um, we're, we're the dumb side of the market who, you know, yeah. that, that's, that's why you, you can often have your edge. Um, but look, I mean, it's growing very quickly. Um, they, they did 13 mil sales in 10 weeks. That's, you know, there yeah. may be some fill-in there, yeah. but that's, that's, Serious, and and so there's obviously something there. It's a two billion dollar market cap. So I think some people are already yeah. onto this <laughs> yes. pretty pretty well. well we got um, d-
2: doubled in the last month. Yeah,
1: wow. I, yeah. So look, I mean, from my point of view, I, I probably just can't sit here and tell guy that he should sell or take profits. But if you've done the work and you believe in the product and, and the addressable market, certainly hold it because these yeah. are businesses that can that can
2: even from two billion can can, can um, really yeah. do well from here. Yep, yeah. and we see so many med tech sites like or medical that have this far horizon, looks like these guys have done all the work and you're pretty close to the, the horizon. I think that's what the key. Think, that's
0: right? key. It looks like the product has just been released. Yeah. Um, the annual numbers look terrible, but then if you open their latest quarterly, they've mm. got $20 million of, of, of uh, sales revenue there in the quarter, which is quite a big change. But Um, Break that down, and 17 of that uh, $22 million is from government rebates and grants, R&D and tax incentives and the like, and it's only $5 million of actual sales receipts.
1: yeah, be careful. I mean, you have to dig through to get to that. They, they, they didn't make that super clear. They did right? say it was timing. Okay. So I think they're expecting the, the, the 15 mil to come through in the next quarter. All right, okay. So, But, but as you, to your point, you know, as investors, you can wait for that. You don't have to, you yeah. don't have to be there early. You can I, wait and make sure it comes through. I was shocked by the market cap. When I was going through yes. this, I often look at
0: the business first before I look at the, the size and I yeah. think to myself, okay, what might this be worth before I then look at the size? You could take a couple of zeros off what I, what I thought. <laughs> I, did yeah. not, I did not pick it was going to be a $2 billion business. Um, so I'm shocked, although they do have a huge cash balance. Um, and, and look, as Luke said, I feel silly trying to give you uh, an opinion about this company, because I opened that presentation and it could have been in, in any language. I have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. We once made money out of a business called Surtex, SIRS- um, which had yeah. SIRS which is a micro-targeting radiation dose, a bit like this. And that was for, for um, they had approval to, uh, to, to use it on patients who were already um, on their deathbeds and right. it was the final stage. Um, so it looks like these guys have approval to do it, uh, to use this kind of micro targeting uh, treatment well before then. Mm-hmm. And I know from doing the work on that business that this is a huge market. Yeah. And uh, I can understand the excitement about it, but I just don't, it's not my thing. I don't have any right. edge. I, I'll have to just say I don't know because right. I, I truly do not. Okay. Yeah.
1: Which is always a like we sometimes that we can say I don't know as yeah. investors. Yeah, yeah. I say yeah, it oh, a lot, yeah. Luke. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. NFK, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> or NFI. NFI, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. All right, something uh, oh. a bit less complicated. Goraphir wants <laughs> to view on Goodman Group. Bit less complicated.
0: I got to say, um,
2: the property giant, uh, this, industrial property giant. This
0: legitimately is one of the hardest businesses I have. Um, I've tried to analyze. Um, and it's, it's difficult because, wow, um, the, the, the business of course is a, is a property developer yeah. by, by name, but in fact it recognizes revenue when it, um, when it uh, buys property, when it develops property, it then spins them out into funds, it, has, it owns property direct and cl- collects leases. So the revenue stream is, there's it, a whole bunch of revenue coming from a whole bunch of sources. Oh. And to make things more complex is that the equity stake is not 100% in all those sources. So sometimes they're recognizing revenue where they only have a small stake, but they're recognizing the full revenue chunk. Mm. And sometimes they're only recognizing the cash that they're generating, even though there's a big valuable asset behind it. Um, and it is huge. Um, so I, I've always found this to be an excellent. It's clearly a very good business, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's clearly a bit of a market an darling in that property area. The founder is it? outstanding. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you you listen to this guy talk, you read the reports. This is a business I want to own. But I've, I've never gotten comfortable with these numbers. I've always found it too difficult. Um, and you know, again, this comes down to personal style. When I buy a business, I want to know everything about yeah. this company and I want to really understand it. Um, uh, it. It's it's not good enough for me. And in fact, I can't in our job because we're investing yep. other people's money. We're telling other people what to do. We can't just say, we know this 20 or 30% of the way, but there's a great founder, so so jump on. I, I can't say that, but to be honest, if I was, <laughs> if it was just me by myself, yeah. that burden would probably be enough. Like right. I, I think that's probably enough. So it's clearly an excellent business. It's a great founder. You don't understand everything about it, but but you can probably hold some stock. Uh, I'm gonna go hold for this. But yep. but really, this is if you're gonna have big stakes in this, to actually understand what's happening here is, I'm gonna need uh, probably months with it. Like it's it's right. complicated.
2: Okay.
1: Um, I agree with all that. Um, I think you definitely have a leap of faith with management here because mm. it's, it's a very difficult company to actually dig into. And um, as Gaurav pointed out, they, they made an astute um, pivot from an operational point of view years ago, which is to almost emulate a fund manager model rather yeah. than just own the assets directly, you yeah. know, bundle it up into a fund which you then collect management fees on. Um, And and what that brought was a a much higher um, multiple from from the market, you know, more akin to previously stuff like Magellan and and Pinnacle. not not quite that high, but that sort of idea. Mm. Um, Look, they're in the right space, in that industrial REIT space, rather than I don't want to touch office right now and and retail, you know, challenged as well. it's expensive on any sort of, is, you know, normal metric, even even dividend yield, which is sometimes a, yeah. a metric you can use for reach 1.5%. That's yeah. it's minuscule yeah. Yeah. Um, 24 times operating earnings. The main thing I see, look, I, I agree with Gaurav. I think you'd hold it just on the quality of management, you know, mm-hmm. demonstrated for, well, um, I was going to say decades, but actually nearly blew up in the GFC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that was a really important time for them. Yeah. Because it used to be a highly geared, yes. high debt operation, and he completely
0: changed. Yeah. They learned their lesson. You yeah. like
2: Brickworks, you mentioned that. And yeah. They have a deal with Brickworks. They do. But that, they?
0: That, that's, the, in comparison, that's a really easy company to understand. I can understand right. what's going
1: on in mm-hmm.
2: Brickworks.
0: Um, yeah. This is complicated. Yeah.
1: So the, Sorry, the main reason about. I would hold, though, is. Um, they had a big fall in their cap rates last half yep. on the back of, you know, Treasury yields staying low. Yep. Um, you know, these need to unwind. So I went and had a look at, at, at 31st of December. The US, just take the US 10 year, was like 1.5%. It's now nearly three. Oh, wow. So, you know, these REITs need to, they'll need to unwind these cap rates I think at the some cap point. rate's four at the moment. Four, yes. It probably needs to go... Up by fifty like percent. I said so. you can get yeah. three, uh, like yeah. get three percent from yeah, the crazy. US ten year. Yeah, yeah. So they need to they need to go up, which mm. means that that tailwind they've had of recognising the mm. the yeah. um, revales through the profit and loss will reverse. The market will look through that, mm. and arguably the market is now because you're seeing you know mm. the, the share price that's come off is, is the reflection that that NTA will, will, will reduce as as their cap mm. rates go up. So the market's ahead of it, but just be aware the numbers will look probably a little bit ugly over the next couple of halves as they they unwind some of those you know historically very very low cap rates. Right.
2: Okay. Um, uh, Luke Carson wants to be on Core Lithium. Uh, I believe this is Carson. Uh, It's a stock many viewers would like to see on the show. Of course, it's got lithium, copper deposits, Northern Territory and South Australia, the Finnis uh, project. Um,
1: I'll be very quick because I know Ever will add much more value than I will. Um, Whenever stocks like this come up, my preference is always for for people who are producing today, like if you've got yeah. be it coal, lithium, whatever the record high prices are, I think the inclination from people is to try and chase these explorers um, who can, you know, some, to maybe turn into something. Which these guys are further along that path than many others. Mm. Um, but give me a Pilbara, give me an um, Allchem who are out there today getting the, you know, fifteen hundred dollars or whatever lithium mm. prices are. Yep. Um, so, uh, but you know, as I said, I, I just don't know enough to, to say um, yep. to, to Carson, but I'm sure Gore Apple. Yeah. Yeah, look, I've got to say, lithium is one I've completely
0: switched off on. Um, I, I think this this has all the, the the makings of a of a really really hot market. Yeah. Um, there's far too much enthusiasm here. There's far too much retail enthusiasm in, in particular, and um, I, I wouldn't be buying any of them. Um, right. I own Minres, and uh, and for me, that's a it's a core holding. It's a for top three position and I wouldn't be selling but if you want
2: exposure to it, li- Minres has lithium, but then it has, it's yeah. part of a portfolio of resources. So it if is. you want to would To be honest,
0: um, Minres, <laughs> I, wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't be buying Minres today either. Um, I, I think uh, that iron ore price is falling over. It, it should probably be 30 or 40% lower than what it is. I'm shocked it is where it is, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say the same for lithium. Like Lithium just demands so much faith it's quite plausible that lithium stays at these prices, but um, there's a lot of demand for lithium, right? And I, a lot of people get enthused by that and think that's a great thing. Um, but these, these battery businesses are not going to pay um, the spot price for, the, for lithium. There's going to be innovation and there's going to be some other mm-hmm. way to get this stuff out of the ground. Now, there's already, you can already use sea um, rocks to extract lithium. They're, they're, it's the cheapest way to get lithium. It's a low mm-hmm. value lithium. Um, lithium product but there are already alternatives to, to getting to, from using spodumene and brines and they're working on that and working on the processing techniques in china already like there's this this is not a slam dunk you want to you, you know um, you want to still be very cautious about uh what your what your the price you're paying um, and i think if all you're doing is mining spodumene, you, you're going to be in trouble yeah. um, you need to get up on that value chain and start um, turning spodumene into hydroxide for every tonne of ore you dig up, you get 10x the revenue if you can t- convert it into okay. um, hydroxide. And that's where um, MinRes is. Um, I think there's one other uh, business on the ASX whose name um, escapes me. Um, I don't think it's Pilbara. But it's, I think it's Orkin, uh, isn't it? might be Orkin. It's Ken. the Oracobra yeah. um, yeah, yeah. merger. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they're the only ones I'll be looking at. Um, I think, uh, for me, I'd be staying away from these. Okay. They're, they're very close to production. There's, there's nothing wrong with the operation. It's smallish. It could get bigger. but um, but this is not an area I want okay. to be invested in.
2: All right, let's go from uh, lithium to uh, data centers. Ollie wants a view on Megaport uh, mm. 400 and, Over 400 data centers, uh, 130 cities. Um, what do you think of Megaport? Yeah,
0: I'm very suspicious when I keep on hearing that and it really puts me off um, because in all management's presentations, it's those stats, yep. we have this many connections, and uh, we're in this many data centers. And um, there's a common view that this is, this is a monopoly and it just is not. Um, first of all, 80% of the traffic goes to four nodes. And okay. so you can actually replicate, that this whole hundreds of data center network can be replicated at a fraction of the cost. You can do 80% of that network at about 5% of the cost hmm. um, if you just replicate those four nodes. And those four nodes are the big hyperscaler nodes. If you just created, recreated those, Um, you'd have 80% of that network done and replicated. The rest of it, um, the other data centers uh, do exactly the same thing. Um, uh, Equinix has a gigantic network and it's free for all the internal customers of those data centers to use. NextDC is valuable because it's doing the same thing. Um, The numbers don't stack up here for me. Uh, The last quarter was a really good result. Um, I think the business is making progress. But this still looks super expensive um, compared to the other opportunities um, I, I can see in the universe. Um, okay. You know, when when it's it's quite easy to find a business generating a, a generating a ten or fifteen percent free cash flow yield, um, and, and if you're looking at coal, sort of a hundred percent free cash flow yield, yeah. I, I don't know why you'd you'd, you'd buy this um, mm. when when the
1: alternative is is a relatively low risk ten percent return. Okay. Um, this is one that came up a few weeks ago it did, didn't um, it remember, and, yeah. and we discussed a, a, a yeah. lot of those points um, and I sort of said look what I needed to see was just some sort of fiscal responsibility from management mm. like it was it was growth at all costs but the problem was that the growth wasn't even hyper growth it was it was sort of you know low single digit quarter on quarter nice and steady but but for what you were paying you needed more um, operationally I, I, I agree with Gorab I think um, it gets overlooked that the data centre operators themselves can effectively replicate their product. I think Megaport will always have a position though because you'll have enterprises who won't want to be reliant on one data center. Yeah. And so if you want to use different operators, you yeah. need Megaport, yeah. um, but, but that's a much smaller market than, than what they yeah. sort of project. It's um, not a monopoly. It's ways. not a monopoly market yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. Yeah. So it had a, a very nice spike we've got the chart there. Um, I, I suspect a lot of that was short covering. It was very very heavily shorted. The the quarterly was good. Um, they reported an, a, a positive EBITDA and, and some positive operating cash flow. Mm-hmm. When you actually go and have a read though, there was a lot of timing in there. So there was um, you know, a payment that was deferred into into the coming quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some um, larger payments in the prior quarter that mm-hmm. meant yep. they were saving a bit of money. It was so, very convenient that in, in the quarter where they had to show positive cash flow, yeah. <laughs> that they had happened to show positive <laughs> cash flow. Yeah. yeah. So so I think so I made that point that's what I wanted to see mm-hmm. it was a good quarter but I need maybe two or three more mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't surprise me that if you were short you probably just go look we've had a good trade I be short, that yeah. was a good quarter yeah. let's just take yeah. our money yeah. and run so you saw that you saw that bounce yeah. um, if you're on the sidelines stay there and just right. just make sure another quarter or two like that comes through the market cap seems awfully high for mm. for the amount of cash this business can even potentially bring in, like,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not sure what the what the market size is, but it's a it's a fairly significant. I think it comes back already. to your,
1: your your main point, though. Is like at, at scale, this is a business that should have very low incremental costs, yeah. and, and should spit out some good free cash flow. It's mm. just about how does it get there, and then what does it take to get okay. there as well?
2: So not yet. All no. right, uh, let's recap the uh, the final five stocks. So Lavisa is a a hold from both Gorev and Luke. Um, NFI on uh, on telex because it's just so complicated and you know you've got to be in that, that cancer research market. Uh, Goodman Group a whole from both Core Lithium a no from both and Megaport a no as well. So from today uh, Money Me, Sonic and Seven Group go up to the investment committee because mm. that's the filter to get there. Uh, Gorham Soty from Intelligent Investor. Good to see you, mate. As nice always, you. Luke Winchester. Give him a bit more curry next time. <laughs> always great to have you in the studio live Thank as you, well. Goshie. It's fabulous to see you. If you've got any stocks you'd like me to put to our expert panel, flick them in an email to me the call at thecall at osbiz.com.au, or tweet us using the at AusBiz TV handle. All the stocks in the Calls Fantasy Portfolio are at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. See you same time tomorrow, midday Eastern Standard Time for another edition of The Call. A lot more on Osbiz coming up. Planning for your next trip?